0: Welcome to another episode of Inside the Oval presented by Dignity Health. This week, I am joined by the 49ers EDU Lead Educator, Emilio Cortez. Emilio, thank you so much for coming on this podcast.
1: Cool. Thank you for having me, Haley.
0: You are an incredibly multi-talented educator, DJ, artist. What was your path to 49ers EDU? Because you had so many different paths or fields you could have gone into.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, I've always been into art, so I always kind of felt that I was going to go into a, an art career. But I mean, it's hard to just make it as an artist and, you know, try and create a name for yourself. Um, but I knew I had to find something that could, I guess, support, uh, you know, what I wanted to continue doing in art, uh, but still have something, you know, full time that'll give me a give me a better sense of security, <laughs> I guess, to to continue my passion in art. Um, So I actually used to work in the EDU program part-time early on, uh, I think like maybe like a year or so after it first started. Um, And then I left for a while to just kind of keep pursuing what I wanted to do in art. Um, So just kind of freelancing for a little bit um, and then came back. Uh, So it's been two years now uh, that I've been in this full-time role as uh, one of the the EDU coordinators now. So it's been, it's been good. Just kind of came back around kept kept in contact with everyone and you know left on good terms so they definitely welcomed me back with open arms
0: you graduated from san jose state san jose state university with a degree in art when you were in school what did you think you wanted to do was it the art field
1: yeah always knew kind of just going in into san jose state that i wanted to do something in the creative field um originally i w- actually was planning to go into animation because um, i had hopes and dreams to to make it big and you know work for disney i've always been a fan of of disneyland and you know all the different disney theme parks and and just seeing the way that you know they can create something that's animated to to tell a story always fascinated me from a young age and so originally i was going into planning to go into animation and then just kind of more as i started getting into different classes everything was just kind of becoming more digital so everyone's projects are just pretty much looking the same but i kind of wanted to continue pursuing art but kind of make myself stand out so i decided to switch majors into uh, what's known as pictorial arts so doing more of an emphasis in studio practice so more traditional drawing and painting um and just getting a lot more variety and trying different uh, different subjects like working with clay, uh, working with paints, working with uh, multimedia, um, a little bit of graphic design, but I just kind of always enjoyed working with things uh, that are handmade. So just like like you see a lot with a lot of my paintings and, and drawings, I'm just always like that, that handmade type of feel.
0: I read that you originally got into drawing when you were younger by drawing Disney characters. Is that true?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, it was during a trip, actually, to Disneyland. You know, we we're in the hotel. My parents got me one of those books on how to learn to draw the characters. And I stayed up, you know, all night. I think I was like maybe like six or seven years old at the time. <laughs> I just stayed up drawing and just perfecting, trying to perfect, you know, how to draw all these characters. And I just, I just fell in love with with learning to draw and seeing that I could actually actually do this and seeing that hey, there's a potential future in this.
0: Did you have a favorite character to draw?
1: Yeah, I have always enjoyed drawing uh, Goofy.
0: If I'm curious, if you could reimagine a Disney character, who would you reimagine?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, there's so many of them now. It's so always making new ones. Uh... I think it would be cool to, I mean, I'd I'd say just go with Mickey and try and think of a a cool creative way to to reimagine Mickey Mouse.
0: (laughs) Yeah, iconic. The 49ers were the first professional sports organization to embrace STEM learning concepts for youth and provide free programming, which is what you do in 49ers EDU every day. The A in... Steam refers to art. Are you able to use your degree and your passion for art to help students with those concepts?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Actually, before the Niners, I was working uh, for the Boys and Girls Club for a while uh, over in the east side of San Jose, and I was actually just doing all the art programming uh, throughout throughout the week with them. So I definitely definitely put my my uh, degree to good use, uh, and especially you know giving back to the community. Uh, where I'm from, in San Jose, and giving back to the kids to teach them uh, how to, you know, develop their skills as an artist. And, and even now with the EDU program, just trying to think of different ways that we can incorporate the arts um, into our, our program, whether it's with the virtual lessons or, or the in-person programming.
0: I would be remiss if we didn't go back a little bit. With 49ers EDU, what are your day-to-day responsibilities?
1: That's a good one. <laughs> so much. I mean, I mean, of course, things have changed, you know, with the, with COVID and everything. So from moving from an in-person program to now doing everything virtually um, until we can get back into in-person programming. But uh, I guess I could start when when it was in person, uh, you know, come into the office in the morning, uh, check the emails because uh, Part of my job is keeping in contact with the educators uh, that get selected to come. Um, So making sure that uh, they're all good and they have all the materials they need uh, before actually arriving to the stadium. Um, And then I would also help uh, in booking the transportation, too, that we would give to uh, many of the schools that attended uh, for the in-person programming. And so I would have to make sure that the buses were there on time at the schools, you know, make sure they had the right address, make sure there were enough seats for all the chaperones and the kids. Uh, and then be out there in the parking lot in the morning uh, for everyone's arrival. And then throughout the day, uh would just be kind of running around, uh, making sure the lunches are all set to go. So I'd bring them inside the stadium, set them up in their different areas for the seating. Um, and occasionally here and there, you know, we'd have the, the people power washing, so we'd have to move all the lunches around to a different section last minute. or <laughs> make sure everything was good and that none of the lunches were missing. Um, And then after that, just make sure everyone was good to go uh, back on their same buses um, and to head home for the end of the day. Um, And then now, you know, in the virtual world, uh, it's pretty much uh, pretty much the same. Just keeping in contact with the teachers and making sure they're all set uh, for their virtual lessons uh, that we have planned with them. And just making sure we get those uh, those links since we're doing them over over virtual platforms.
0: Children, I think, can be unpredictable, and lots of kids on a field trip can be very unpredictable. Do you have any like stories that pop out to you about when you guys had in-person field trips that are just memorable or that kind of come to mind?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty because you never know what's going to (laughs) happen with the kids, especially the young ones, Uh, especially trying to keep them all together uh, within the stadium. You know, want to make sure everyone's safe and and everyone's following the rules uh, that we have in place. Uh, I mean, there's been plenty of times where we have the younger kids trying to run out on the field. That's happened a couple of times. A couple of them have tried to throw the football around and, and play catch on the on the actual field, um, so you know we always want to make sure we're staying off the grass and just staying on the turf. Um, but overall, I mean, we always get you know good kids. The teachers are always there to help us. All the chaperones as well. So everyone, everyone knows that you know it's it's not their regular their regular school or their regular home. So they have to make sure they behave throughout throughout the day.
0: Can you walk us through what? a field trip to the stadium with 49ers edu is like from boarding the bus to the stadium to getting back on to go back to school
1: yeah so in the morning time um in the in-person program would easy have them set to get to the stadium around 9 a.m so we would be out there with our with our educators the rest of the team uh, making sure everyone's uh, there uh, on time so that we can get our program day started. And then we would, just from there, we'd collect the, the students' consent forms, the chaperones as well. So everyone needs to have a consent form signed by their parent um, to be able to attend uh, and go inside the stadium. And then throughout the day, there's there's four, four parts to the, the program day, which is a museum tour. So we take them throughout the different galleries. Uh, in the museum, give them a kind of an in-depth tour and description of of everything that we have in there, a lot of the history of the 49ers. Uh, We would take them on a stadium tour as well, where we talk about all the different uh, STEAM subjects, uh, different things that that are pretty unique to our stadium. And then we have, uh, we would go down by the field um, on the turf side and do some football drills. Uh, So we set up different Different types of drills, just like the football players would go through uh, during their practice, and then we have classrooms there on site in our stadium uh, where we do a class lesson uh, with them. That uh, depending what what lesson the teacher chose for their students, um, we would run through that lesson with them. And then at the end of the day, uh, we just make sure everyone's good, has all their all their belongings, and then we just walk them back out to the parking lot, and they'd be on their way back home to to their school.
0: Do you have a favorite lesson to teach on an in-person field trip?
1: Um, Let me see. A lot of times, uh, you know, I would be running around kind of behind the scenes. So I did lessons a, a couple times, but my favorite one would be with the younger kids, which is called Punt, Passing Create, Create, uh, where we go. It's an art lesson where we go through different elements of art and just kind of talk about some different art styles that we have There within the stadium and different artwork that shows different types of emotions. And then the project is that the students will have different types of materials like tissue paper, um, pipe cleaners, those little like googly eye things. We just have a bunch of different type of random materials that they can use to create their own uh, statue that represents themselves, which they would kind of glue things or cut things up or use colors to to create their own version of something that represents them.
0: I think... Well, I've seen your art and one is beautiful, but you do a lot of really amazing portraits of others on that field trip lesson. Have you ever dabbled in self-portrait?
1: No, I haven't, because I think we would need definitely a lot more time than a (laughs) 45-minute session to make that happen.
0: (laughs) You mentioned it earlier, you joined the team in 2019 and you guys had in-person education 2020 COVID, the COVID pandemic kind of changed everything for everyone. And your team had to adapt to providing STEAM education digitally. How was that transition for you? And how did your job evolve to make sure that the team was still putting out lesson plans?
1: Yeah, definitely took a lot of time to think of, you know, the ways that we could still be effective and and definitely new new ways of, you know, without having our in-person classroom since we weren't able to be there in the stadium at all and trying to figure out how we could make this work from our homes. Um, So it just took a lot of collaboration between our whole team of thinking up of new ways that we could kind of still take some of the some of the core concepts, of the lessons that we already have and try and make them into a a virtual setting um but yeah just just definitely took a lot of planning a lot of time Um, but overall you know we're all very very happy with everything came out and the way that we've been continue to execute uh these lessons with everyone and the teachers have been definitely appreciating it too it gives them a nice break and something different too just to provide um outside of a in-person field trip
0: you actually starred in a couple of the lessons if anyone wants to go see them all they're on 49ers.com backslash edu highly recommend what was the process like getting in front of the camera
1: (laughs) it was uh kind of awkward at first because it's something (laughs) that i don't think any of us have ever really really done so you know and trying to figure out at home uh our home setup so you know Recording that was here in my room, so I had to make sure that, you know, I cleaned up my space here um, since I have a lot of artwork around and just try to have a nice solid blank wall to so that it looks presentable. Um, But, yeah, it was definitely a lot of a lot of learning, especially when it came down to doing the editing of the videos that we did, Uh, both myself and then my colleague, Sarah. um, We were in charge of the editing of these videos, so we had to learn that whole process as well um, because it's something that we had only worked with a few times um but overall it was definitely just a big learning process but um it was fun you know to work on and i know hopefully we'll be able to record some more new content and uh, that we'll be able to share with all
0: these educators i want to transition a little bit we are currently celebrating latinx heritage month something that fans might not know is that you have been a part of the branding and art elements that have gone out on the Fortnite or social media and the website. How did that all come about?
1: It was just a collaboration with talking with uh, Brandon Tam and and Aaron and the rest of their team on the creative side. And then Ali reached out as well. Um, But I always knew, you know, just kind of going in and seeing what the creative uh, team has been doing that I was like, oh, man, I want to collab with them, you know, at least one time or, you know, sometime that I'm, I'm still working with the 49ers because they're always working on cool stuff. And and they've always seen that I do a lot of, you know, hand-painted pieces and, and things like that. So this collab finally happened. And then just being a part of the, the Latinx uh, resource group too with the 49ers wants to serve as a, as a good resource uh, to be able to collaborate uh, with other departments. And so through that, um, I was able to help them out uh, with creating um, some c- pretty cool, unique uh, pieces uh, for to celebrate Latinx Heritage Month.
0: Because your art typically is on canvas or on a wall or something that's tactile, and the things on social media were digital, how was the process of creating it and then transferring it to digital or did you make it on a digital platform?
1: Yeah. So for the digital content that you see, uh, I just worked on my iPad doing that. So I've been getting a lot more familiar with working with different programs uh, on the iPad. The one that I really like using is called Procreate. Um, So it's pretty much like I'm just drawing with a pencil, but it's just digital. So there's different types of brushes that I can use. And then through that, I'm able to just share it really easy uh, with the creative team. And then from there, they can they can edit things or change the colors and and stuff. So, yes, it's it's pretty, pretty fun process just uh, to kind of mess around digitally. So if I make a mistake, you know, I can just hit that that reset button to take my step back.
0: (laughs) That must be nice. I'm sure erasers in person are not quite as clean.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) we had our home opener and you were on the field to present the team's latinx youth award recipient with a hand-painted 49ers football another thing that you somehow have fit into your schedule how did you get linked up with the community relations team for that award
1: so it all came about with uh ali reaching out and then uh alex chang as well um they, they told me that they had these footballs with the 75th logo on it. And then they were like, oh, you know, it'd be pretty cool if, if you could paint something on this. I was like, yeah, sure. Just give me a football and I'll make it happen. So <laughs> I was able to get it done. Uh, I think that one only took me like three hours, you know, just kind of sketched it out, painted it in. Um, and then, yeah, just took a cool time-lapse video of the whole process. So you can see that um, on different, different. Uh, I think they posted it on the on the social media pages, um, and then from there, uh, I asked them. I reached out. I was like, "Hey, could I could I present this to Daniel, who's the uh, recipient of the award?" Uh, I was like, "I was like, I think it would be pretty cool and and mean a lot more, you know, coming from the artist who created the piece and being an employer with the Niners too." Um, so they're like, "Yeah, you know, let's let's do that." And so um, just linked up with uh, Michelle and then uh, Stacy as well. She was able to connect the dots and make it all happen. And then, yeah, was able to be down there on the field for the pregame. So watch the players warm up. And that was actually my first time, you know, since working here, actually being down there uh, on the field for the pregame. So it was pretty cool, you know, pretty special moment just to be able to see all that and, and then be walked out there on the 25 yard line with Daniel to actually present this in front of, you know, 70,000 fans. So I just, just took some time to take it all in, just looking around and, seeing how it feels being down there with a full stadium.
0: Taking a slight tangent, you said the football took you about three hours. You painted a wall wall mural at one of my favorite places in the Bay at Nirvana Soul. How long did a project like that take?
1: Oh, man, I'm trying to think. (laughs) Because we had to they wanted me to complete it pretty much before their opening. So, and then just based on my own schedule, I had like a couple of days to do it. So I think overall, I want to say about six hours. Uh, I think I did like three hours each day just because I had some other things to, to do in between. But overall, I think it was about six hours. So it all just kind of started with the with the concept because they had been talking to other artists as well. And then they, they picked, they picked me as a the final artist to create this piece because they really liked what I what I showed them um, you know something unique to to them that represents them um, and something unique to San Jose as well so yeah I think overall it was about six hours
0: you said you went in with a concept when you have a project whether it is a wall mural or a painted football or something for a digital Wallpaper, how much of that is pre planning, pre sketching, or are you more of a go in, test out, try different things?
1: Yeah, sometimes it's a little bit of both. Sometimes, you know, I'll take my time and, and plan something out or just arrange things like uh, like the piece that I did for Nirvana Soul. I knew it was going to be a lot of uh, lettering involved. So I just wanted to make sure that I could make move things around and just make sure that it flowed well. Uh, especially with the, all the other design elements that you see in there, uh, but other times um, I just kind of go in and just kind of freestyle it. You know, that's sometimes that's when the best ideas come up on on my end, and just try out different things. And especially that's why I like working on the on the iPad because I can just try things out, add a different color, you know, immediately, and and see the see the change. Rather than if I'm doing something on canvas, um, it's kind of hard to go back as I would have to wait for the paint to dry and then change the color with a different color. And it's just a longer process. But yeah, sometimes it's a, uh, it's sometimes it's better to just kind of freestyle it and, and just see what happens.
0: I love talking to artists because I, I am not a creative person in general. I, I, I love, I'm tr- fascinated by people who can do any sort of artistic medium and you can do a lot. Where do you get inspiration from for your pieces? Is it are you like a travel or look at other artists or from your own experience? How how does that work?
1: Mm, there's a lot. I mean, pretty much when I'm out anywhere, you know, I'm always looking around at different Different art, uh, even if people might not think that it's art, I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm like, oh, okay, I could, I could turn that into something, or I like the way that they use this, this certain color on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm always getting inspired everywhere. Even if I'm watching TV, if I'm watching something on Netflix, I'm like, oh, let me let me pause that because that's that's like something that I can bounce off of later on. Um, but yeah, a lot of times. I mean, of course, the biggest inspiration is just going to a museum, um, going to art museums around the Bay Area. Or if I'm if I'm traveling somewhere, I always like checking out the different art museums um, in different cities, just because they have different types of collections uh, on view. Um, and then a lot of times too, even on social media, you know, follow a lot of different artists. Um, and even if I'm just scrolling down the Explore page uh, on Instagram, just seeing different things pop up, different uses of color, uh, different mediums that maybe I didn't think of and be like, "Oh, okay, maybe maybe I can try something similar and see how I can fit that in in my artwork." But yeah, it's definitely everywhere, everywhere in the world that I'm that I'm looking. <laughs> There's always inspiration.
0: When there are constraints, let's say. So I'm thinking the helmet that's going in the 49ers museum that you painted There are constraints on size, on maybe colors you can use, a topic because it's Latinx Heritage Month. How does the planning for a piece like that go when you know that there are maybe certain elements that you can't, you have to hit?
1: Yeah, uh, that one for the helmet. I mean, I knew I wanted to keep certain parts of it, um, but overall, it was was kind of pretty open to to what I could do. Um, But I knew... I was like, okay, well, I want to keep some of the gold in here. Um, so just kind of thinking about what pieces I needed to tape off before I actually spray painted some of the areas um, just so that I could paint the other colors on on it. Um, but yeah, that was actually, I think that was you know, my first time ever painting a, a helmet. So just working on a round surface, that would be one of the constraints since I'm so used to working on either like a flat wall or a flat canvas. Um, it was just kind of getting used to seeing how the brush was going to Going to be working when I lay down the paint, seeing if it was gonna if it was gonna drip or if it's gonna be more dry. Um, just being careful with things like that is uh, definitely one of the the main things to look out for. Um, and then just making sure too that I tape off the certain areas that I wanted to save, like the stickers uh, that are on there with the SF logo and then the stripe down the middle as well. Um, just being careful with those pieces because since I use spray paint as my base coat. Um, it's definitely very easy to for that paint to spread to other areas.
0: What is harder to paint, a helmet or a football?
1: Mm, I'm trying to think because <laughs> the football that they that I painted on was one of the sides was a uh, was smooth, so it was like a smooth leather rather than a regular game football, which has the bumpy texture. Um, I would say the football because I have painted on a football before a regular one, and just. Painting on that bumpy texture is—it's hard because you can't really get like a straight line because the paint will just go in the little, the little creases in between each each bump. Um, so yeah, it's definitely harder on a football.
0: We've talked about Emilio, the educator, the artist. I have a question about Emilio, the DJ. I, unfortunately, wasn't present, but I've heard a lot about the DJ battle between you and Ryan Dillard, who's also been on the podcast, up on the Solar Terrace. How did that come about?
1: <laughs> that was a uh, thank you to Hannah Gordon for putting us on the spot and saying that we we're going to have a DJ battle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was a lot of fun. It was just like a friendly type of battle thing uh, up there on the Solar Terrace, so... Uh, Usually once a month Uh, on the community impact side, we do like a monthly meeting and sometimes we'll do like a fun, fun outing. So this was our our fun outing to have a, you know, kind of like a happy hour and have this little little DJ battle between uh, myself and and Ryan Dillard on the prep side. Um, So it was the EDU versus prep battle. Um, But yeah, no, it was a lot of fun just being up there and just, you know, having listening to good music. So it was a good time.
0: How does one prepare for a DJ battle?
1: <laughs> well, since this one was more friendly, uh, you know, I've, I've seen I've been out to DJ shows and, you know, seeing actual DJ battles. But yeah, being in a real DJ battle is not something that I would definitely feel not feel comfortable in. <laughs> I'm always I've always just been, a, you know, that, that club style DJ or just kind of like a, a wedding house party DJ. But there's definitely a lot involved, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of practice involved. And, you know, you just definitely have to be able to to block out, um, well, I guess, your nervousness and any other, you know, bad thoughts and <laughs> going into a DJ battle like that. Uh, but I did prepare for this one for the friendly one, you know, and you wanted to uh, kind of keep something kind of more tied to the Bay Area, more hip hop theme. So. But yeah, definitely. I definitely practice a bit for this one. So I I think we did like a three minute set each of like an actual, you know, little battle just to show off our skills.
0: We always end the podcast with a lightning round. There's short answers, long answers, kind of open form. But I wanted to start with you are from the Bay Area. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary. Do you have a favorite 49ers memory from before you worked for the team?
1: Uh, Just being being at Candlestick, you know, going to games over there. Uh, My dad would take me a few times been a couple times with some friends. But yeah, just being there in Candlestick and just seeing how how loud it got with all those fans was definitely a good memory.
0: You went to games with your dad when we were able to go to Miami. Did you get to bring him?
1: Yeah, I did bring him with me. I told him, I was like, if you want to go, you got to let me know now because I have to RSVP. If not, I'm going to take a friend. He's like, no, 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 take me. I'll go. <laughs> he's a, he's always wanted to go to the Super Bowl. So I was like, well, it's finally happening. So let's go.
0: Do you have any Miami memories or favorite Miami memory?
1: I mean, the whole the whole time we were there was just, I mean, an incredible experience, you know, and, you know, and big thank you to the York family for making that happen. Uh, I had never been to Miami. And, you know, to be there for the Super Bowl was just uh, an incredible experience. Um, I I guess I could say had a lot of fun at the after party. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're pretty cool to to be able to see little Wayne up close like that performing.
0: Do you have a favorite thing about your job?
1: Favorite thing would just be the, you know, the people that I work with. Uh, It's always fun. You never know, you know, (laughs) who's going to be joking around mostly me you know everyone (laughs) knows always telling jokes when we're working in the office um but yeah you know just being there feels like another like we have another family uh in that space on the edu side
0: do you have a favorite project you've been able to work on
1: yeah i guess the one that i did recently with uh with my manager sophie was uh we got to present um our one of our virtual lessons to a bunch of kids in, in Mexico, and so this was all done in Spanish. It was a virtual, a virtual webinar kind of thing that we did with uh, in partnership with the uh, NFL Mexico on their flag football um, program that they have out there. Um, and so we had I'm trying to think it was like over like 160, close to 170 total participants uh, representing 26 different states in Mexico. And just to be able to go through that um, in Spanish and and connect with these uh, these kids and run through the the drawing activity that we do with them, it was it was pretty cool. So it was a a fun one to work on.
0: How did uh, you guys? Did you guys apply to do that? Did you get chosen? Were you asked? How did that come about?
1: So uh, the connection out there. Uh, his name is Jesus uh, with the NFL Mexico He reached out to Jesse actually because I think he had heard about what we were doing uh, with our virtual series and then we had him we had him join on one time to see uh, how these how these lessons are run in the English version with the one of the virtual lessons we did with the school out here in the Bay Area and so he liked it and um, Jesse told me and Sophie's like hey you know like there's this opportunity to do this kind of on a, a bigger scale with a, a bunch of kids in Mexico. And so, yeah, just through that connection uh, with Jesse. And it was pretty cool because uh, at the end of the webinar, the uh, the director of NFL Mexico came on and said a few words, and he was very pleased uh, with our presentation.
0: How did you and Sophie prepare for that?
1: <laughs> you know, we met like maybe a couple hours before to, <laughs> to go through, you know, since we're not I mean, we both we're both fluent in Spanish, but it's not like something we're we're talking every day in the office. You know, we're not using Spanish all the time, and so just kind of knowing that um, the way they speak Spanish in Mexico is kind of different than the way me we might have both learned it out here um, in the U.S. And so just thinking about you know which terms we have to use that are that makes sense uh, when explaining when explaining things in Spanish, um, and just. Yeah, just pretty much making sure the language overall was was good and, yeah, just making sure our, our Spanish was on point as it, could, as it could be.
0: Do you have something that you're most proud of during your time with the 49ers?
1: Definitely the, the football that I painted uh, to represent for Latinx Heritage Month uh, that I gave out during the 49ers versus Green Bay game. Um Just knowing that it's going to uh to a young man who's doing a lot of good in his community and just knowing that that football is unique and it's the only one that's ever gonna be made or as far as I plan to <laughs> unless the marketing team gives me another one but I will probably <laughs> put a different design um but yeah just to be able to represent um you know not only for myself but for the rest of the for the for the rest of the hispanic and you know the latino community um just knowing that that they're happy to, to see their work and, you know, something that represents them out there in in the, within the 49ers.
0: One thing I was talking to Serena about, she was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, was her involvement in the employee research group lead. I know you are also involved in that. How did that come about? Uh,
1: came about, uh, I think, Kind of just seeing how how build had started, and then you know we knew we wanted to do something for the for the Latinx employees uh, within the organization, and so we just um, you know since I worked directly with Sophie, uh, I already knew that she was she was interested, so she kind of helped take the lead alongside Jared uh, with prep, and I knew I knew from the start. I was like, yeah, no, that's that's great. That's something I definitely want to be involved in, um, and so we just kind of started seeing who would uh, like to get involved or see if there was any interest at all, you know, to begin with in the organization. And, and we did. We got a, a lot of good uh, interest. And and then from there, we just kind of started building things out. So started our, our board, um, which I which I sit on. And so, yeah, just from there, just being able to to have that voice for the for the Latinx community and, and be a good resource um, for for
0: anyone if you could switch jobs with someone for a day for a week and for a month who would those three people be
1: uh let's see for a day I think we could uh switch with uh jed <laughs> just to see what <laughs> goes on during his day uh for a week uh, I'm trying to think I think we could uh to go work for the foundation for a week um see see if I could uh have my shot at raising some money, <laughs> see how much I could bring in, um, and then for a month, uh, I'd say I'd like to go over to the creative team, see what what goes on over there. I know they're always making some cool content, um, but yeah, I think it'd be cool to to work with them for a month and and see what I could uh, help them out with.
0: Absolutely, I would also love to see that. Final question. Every job posting has that ominous other duties as assigned bullet point all the way at the bottom. Have you done something with the 49ers that you weren't expecting to do when you took the job?
1: <laughs> yeah. So when we're in person, um, I don't know if you ever saw me, but I would be driving a little golf cart around in a little flatbed. Yes. <laughs> so I would, I would use that to, to take in the lunches, you know, all the way from the parking lots from red lot and bring them into the stadium, make sure they're all set up. And, you know, sometimes you see me going back and forth like three or four times because there'd just be so many so many students in one day. So I'd be driving that thing around and, and me being, you know, 6'10", it's not really easy to fit on one of those. So my knees are sometimes hitting the steering wheel. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say that one. That's a, that's a good one there to point out.
0: Yeah. Well, Emilio, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I I truly appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with me.
1: Thank you, Haley. I appreciate it.